Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. It's time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> it may be the nighttime, but the sports talk doesn't stop. Sports talk radio that's live, local, and not for the faint of heart. Oh, you didn't know? Sometimes angry. Loud noises! Telling it like it is. You insulted him a little bit. You got a little out of order yourself. And pretty much always right. Well, don't ever argue with the big dog. Big dog is always right. Text or call 404-741-0929 and be part of the show. Well, we're waiting. Live from the Kia Studios, it's time for the John Chuckery Show. Serving you up sports on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome into Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Yes, it is time for the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out here in the Kia Studios on this Thursday evening with you for the full four. We ask you to download the Odyssey app. You're not in the car as much, but you want to listen in. Put the Odyssey app on one of your devices today. Take the smartphone, your Alexa speakers, your tablet, your Roomba, your webcam, your projector, whatever your device is, just download it on something to be able to catch us when you are on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And as always, best way to follow me is through my personal Twitter page, at JMCH316. All right, we, uh, we're doing it every night. Let's spin the wheel of producers. Let's, let's spin the wheel and uh, see what we land on uh, for tonight. So uh, as it is our third show in a row, and, uh, you know, if you could have had that handy and ready, would have been very nice. Um, you could probably guess because I did give it away last night and by all the fuddling and futzing around and everything else. So, yeah, we, we've lost a moment now at this point. Uh, so it is Dylon. So, yeah. Um, and, and and you can tell it's Dylon because everything wasn't ready to go or anything like that. So Dylon. Yeah. Dylon. That's ready to go. Yeah, that, Dylon, that was Dylon, ready. Yeah. Yeah, that that we had ready to go. But See, I didn't know you were going to do it. That, I know you said we had it ready I, in the I, first I segment. Ready to go in the very first. I didn't segment. know like it was going to be that quick, that quick. It's ready now, though. You want? We can try no, again no, no, if you no, want. No, no, it, no, It's good. The, the moment is spoiled. That you know the, you know, comedy is all about timing, right? Like like everything is about timing. Life is all about timing, and you know there are moments, and then they just go away. But anyway. Um, so we got Dylan back. We, we don't have him tomorrow. We, we don't have him tomorrow. We don't have him two nights in a row. I just abide by the schedule that is given what, to me. What did, um, you know, like 10 months ago or something like that when you got promoted to produce something, what was what was that promotion to? Um, to the John Chuckery Show. Oh, okay. Well, we never see you, but uh, anyway. We, we hear <laughs> I was rumors. here a good bit last we, night. We, we hear rumors about you. We, yeah. We, we hear rumors about you. What so. kind of rumors? Uh, well, I can't tell you because you're not here. So, anyway, um, let's get into here this evening. Um, you know, Hawks back tomorrow as they get ready for this new era without Nate McMillan. They would take on the Cavaliers at State Farm Arena. Pre-game is at 7 o'clock, uh, 7.30 tip. Uh, Steve Holman and uh, Mike, uh, Mike. Oh, actually, you know what? Is is uh, Mike Connie? Uh, is is he on it? Uh, I, uh, is he? Is he? Going tomorrow? Okay. All right. I just wanted to yeah. be sure that it wasn't Andy or somebody like that. But uh, Mike uh, Mike Connie will be ready tomorrow. Now, grab that audio uh, that we want to play here. So, 
we uh, we had more guys speak to the media. Trey Young was out with a personal um, with a personal matter that he was dealing with, so he was not there today. So let me start with DeAndre Hunter and him talking about how he thinks a lot of this is on us. I think it starts with us. I think, you know, coaching can only do so much. They can, you know, tell us what to do. They can give us the plan, but, you know, we have to put it into motion to actually work. So I think a lot of it is on us. And, you know, as a team, we have to take that accountability, you know, get it right with ourselves before we can, you know, start playing fingers at coaching or, you know, anywhere else. Okay, again, for the 80th day in a row, I ask, why did they not step up then before their coach was fired? I mean, it's it's nice to say all these things, and everybody has said the same thing. But you didn't do a damn thing about it when the guy was here. Just say you don't like the guy. I, I would rather I would rather we be honest and just say that we didn't get along with Nate and everything like that. Now, here's the next clip from DeAndre Hunter, where now it's the message wasn't getting across and all this, that, and the other. I won't say I agree, but, you know, sometimes you do need a new voice, you know, just to get things across, you know, clear a uh, different way. But I wouldn't say his message wasn't getting across. It's just maybe we could, you know, use a, a different message. Okay. Landry Fields is a former player, right? Okay. Kyle Korver is the assistant GM. Did he play in the NBA? Yeah, he actually played here for oh. a good bit. Huh. Okay. So how do they not know that – the message isn't getting through. They should know. Oh, okay. They played. I mean, they should know, right? I mean, if you have a guy, if you have a coach that the message isn't getting through, and we've heard this now from DeAndre, we've heard this from John Collins yesterday, how were they not savvy enough to know and understand that the message wasn't getting through? Why did it have to kind of bottom out to when we were 29 and 30, stunk up the joint in our last two games before the All-Star break, for them to realize that that message wasn't getting through? I mean, if it's not getting through, it's not getting through. And can I tell you that these last two games wasn't the tipping point of that message not getting through. That wasn't the epiphany that all of a sudden the stars aligned and we looked up in the sky and there was a new moon and an eclipse and it was like, oh, wow. Now is when the message isn't getting through. All right. Now, I want to play bogey because he nails it when he says this. I'll go back to, you know, I feel like... (laughs) Winning solves everything. You know, you win a couple games, everything is good. Everyone talks how good you are. When you lose a couple, everyone talks how bad you are. Simple as that. So we got to find that groove. You know, we had the good streaks. We had the bad streaks. We just have to have more of the good streaks, basically. <laughs> this is a competitive league. It's a sport, so it's, it's normal. Winning solves everything. Isn't that the truth in sports? You know, when they had that little five-game winning streak, We didn't hear a peep about messages not getting through. We didn't hear a peep about rotations. Winning solves everything. Yep, we didn't hear a peep about the, um, you know, interactions between head coach and star player. We didn't hear a peep about anything. No, No ball movement, lack of defense. We didn't hear a peep about any of this stuff. 
Not a peep. Nothing. Bupkis. When they were on that five-game winning streak. And then when you lose, everything comes to the forefront. Winning solves everything. Winning solves everything. Yeah. That's pretty much a life mantra, right? Put that on the bumper sticker. Put that... Put that on the banner flying behind the airplane. In sports, winning fixes everything. Nate was Nate was not going to get fired during that five-game winning streak, was he? At no point during that five-game winning streak was Nate ready to be fired. So, there you go. Now, here's the latest that we're getting. Uh, the story broke earlier th- this morning, I guess it was, that... The Hawks are, and this was put up by Sham Sharinia, Zach Klein, that the Hawks are zeroing in and could make a move quickly on Quinn Snyder, okay? Now, wasn't Shams and Zach Klein two of the people that told me on draft night when I was at the draft party on stage in front of the people, weren't they two of the guys telling me that John Collins would be traded on draft night? Yes, they were. Okay. And then they said, well, no, 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 no. It will be shortly after draft night? Yep, they said that. Oh, okay. Those two guys specifically. Yep, those two. Okay, okay. Got it. Okay. Just, you know, I I know we don't want to have context. I I, I know that that's, uh, you know, a four-letter word to have any sort of context, right? And, And what does Eric Bischoff always say? Context is king. So consider all the sources. Not saying everybody's wrong. But if it happens, then I'll say it's happened. Until then, it's all, what do we say in the, what do we say on the wrestling world? Rumor and, and innuendo. innuendo. <sighs> Lord have mercy. All did right. you miss me, Chuck? Huh? Did you miss me? Um, I, I I just didn't even recognize you. I, I don't know. Did you get a haircut or something? I you know. I actually did. Well, that's good. Yeah, you needed one. So anyway, um, Braves first Grapefruit League opener on Saturday, so we're getting into spring training baseball. Um, we'll talk to Grant McCulley now. We're not going to talk to Grant until ten twenty. So it's a little bit late. So I guess he's having dinner and drinks and everything else. Uh, so so he's he's still down Northport, Florida, uh, or Northport, Florida is where he's at. So I guess he's having dinner and drinks and everything else. So uh, we'll talk to him uh, if he's coherent enough. No, I joke. I kid. Um, but we'll talk to him uh, at 1020 uh, this evening. Uh, United has their opener coming up on Saturday night. We know where Dylan will be because he'll be working because he can't work on Monday. So we know that Dylan will be here, so uh, that's why you know we we won't see him on Mondays or anything like that. I so. just abide by the schedule I'm right, given. Right. Yep. Yep. I understand. Um, what I'm trying to remember what you were promoted to do um, to be the executive producer of the John Chuckery Show. Oh, okay. All right. Um, trying to think about how many games Jarvis ran for Atlanta United, but anyway. So, um, anyway. Uh, Atlanta United opens up against San Jose. Now, we'll talk to Jason Longshore coming up here at 740. I don't know much about San Jose, uh, and I'm not on the way to San Jose, but 
San Jose, I, I believe, was – were they not the worst team either in MLS? Certainly the worst in the Eastern – or, sorry, in the in the West, but were they not the worst team in MLS or at least very close to that? I can't say as I followed – what what's San Jose's nickname? What What is their – are they the Sharks? Earthquakes. The Earthquakes. Well, okay, so that, that fit. So the San Jose Earthquakes, I, I, I don't know if they were the worst team in MLS – but they were pretty close to being the worst team in MLS. So let's hope that this is a victory. And I heard uh, Mike uh, Mike Connie say this morning on Freaky on on the Freaky Show they were the second worst team. They were one win behind the worst. They the worst team had seven wins. They had eight wins. Okay. Well, but they still could have. I mean, when it's that close, they could have maybe been the worst team in all of MLS. Uh, from a wins perspective, they were second worst. But yeah, so they, points wise, we look at points wise, they were still second. The worst team had twenty seven; they had thirty five. Okay, so they were they were the worst in the Western Division. They were the second worst overall. So yeah, it it's bad. So now I heard uh, Mike uh, Mike Connie with uh, with the Freaky Show this morning that he said that Tiago Almada might be the best player in MLS. John Freaky, yeah, him. Now, I don't know enough about the the MLS to go around the league and start ranking guys, but if Mike Connie says it on the Freaky Show, on the, the Freaky, Freaky Yeah, on the Freaky Deaky Show, if he said that, then I buy it. Uh, again, I and I hope. Listen, I hope. I I I definitely hope whether it's, you know, we we may not have Yakamakis Available because of visa issues. I, I I don't. I guess he's applying for a credit card or something like that because he's got either visa, or Mastercard issues, or whatever's going on with him. Maybe he's got a diners club. I don't. I don't know. Maybe I, maybe they just don't take that at the hotel he's going to stay at or whatever. Like he's trying that. to get that Capital One, and there's there's having some yeah, issues with that Capital I, One card. I guess. I mean, so maybe maybe the hotel doesn't take Amex. I, I whatever it is. So he may not be available on Saturday, but. That would be good news if Tiago Almada was the best player in MLS. So we'll talk to Jason Longshore coming up at uh, at 7:40. All right, I got a question for you, and and we'll open up the phone lines at 404-741-0929. 404-741-0929. As we get ready for Braves baseball with Grapefruit League action starting up on Saturday, what is the Braves' biggest weakness going into 2023? What's their biggest weakness going into 2023? 404-741-0929. That's both the Solomon Brothers Diamond text line and it's our phone line. We'll take your reaction to that. I'll give my thoughts about it. Chuck Reed in the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. We've heard so much about you. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with the John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios on this Thursday evening. 404-741-0929. That's both our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line. And it is our phone line to uh, open up calls to you. Asking the question... What is the Braves' biggest weakness going into 2023? 
Odyssey app is how you catch us when you're on the go. Social media is at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. At JMCH316 on my Twitter page. At underscore Dylon Matthews on his Twitter page. We will um, we will talk to Jason Longshore coming up here in about 20 minutes from right now as we preview Atlanta United. Uh, getting ready for their home opener for the season opener against the San Jose Earthquake. So... What is the Braves' biggest weakness going into 2023? You know, when you've won the division five years in a row, you get a lot of benefit of the doubt because you've done that. So when I look at, for instance, defense, yes, we have Dansby Swanson gone from the team, right? That's a big blow defensively. But with Michael Harris and a healthy Ronnie, that's still a really good defensive outfield. Obviously, with Ozzy Albies, Matt Olson should be better defensively. And we have the arguably the best one or two defensive catchers in the game. And then, oh, yeah, Max Fried's a gold glove you know, pitcher. Not, not only is he the best left-hander in baseball, but he's a gold glove pitcher. So eh, I don't think defense is, you know, and Riley is certainly one of the better defensive third basemen. So I don't think it's that. How about depth of our lineup? Now, I still like Murphy, Darno, Olsen, Ozzie, Riley, Vaughn Grissom, you know, Ronnie, Michael Harris. Still don't think it's that. I don't mind our starting pitching. Kyle Wright was a 20-game winner. Max Fried's the best left-hander in baseball. I mean, if we're starting to talk about fourth or fifth pitchers, okay, give me – Freed, Wright, and Strider in a series, and I'll feel pretty good about all that. Bullpen is really good. The only two things that I can kind of point my finger at is some of their bench depth. No more Contreras, no more Adam Duvall, not even Robbie Grossman uh, on this team, who actually did some good things all, you know, a couple, couple games that he helped win. So Maybe bench depth, but I think the biggest weakness for the Braves is just the division itself. And while I understand that we've won that division five years in a row, you know, the Mets have certainly gotten better. The Phillies have certainly gotten better. Now, Washington's a disaster. The Marlins are a disaster. I don't even count them. But you have to, on paper... You have to say that the Mets and Phillies both got better. And obviously the Phillies were in the World Series last year. So other than that, I don't really have a lot of fear about anything. Will the Braves win 101 games? No, I don't think that they will just because I think the competition in the division is better. But that still doesn't mean that they will win 83 games or 84 games. I still think that the Braves are the division favorites. I still think that when you look at this division, the Braves still stand above the other teams in it because they get the benefit of the doubt. But, you know, the Phillies were 14 games back. Can the Phillies be better than 14 games back of the division? Yeah, I think that they can. So there alone makes the division better. Forget the Marlins and forget Miami and all that good kind of stuff with it. But I I really believe that the division will be better, and I think it's a very tough division, maybe not the best division in baseball. I certainly look at that 
at that West that's really top-heavy with the Dodgers and the Padres, and I think they're going to be outstanding. I don't trust the Angels, but I certainly believe in Houston. Central's pretty decent. The East is decent. So I, I don't think that they are the toughest division in baseball, but they have three really good teams. And so when you look at it, should the division be probably closer? Yeah, it probably, probably should be closer than you know, between first and third place, having a 14-game margin between those teams. So your thoughts at 404-741-0929. That is our phone line to jump in. Brian, out in Atlanta. What's going on, Brian? Oh, not much, John. How are you? Good, buddy. Uh, Initially, talking about the weakness of the Braves, obviously, the first thing that came to my mind was the bridge to get to Iglesias in the bullpen, but the more I think about it, I think it's the back end of the rotation. It's that three, four, five spot. I mean, you know, throughout the year, you're going to need eight, nine starters. But I, you got a 40-year-old who's going to be your number three. You got Kyle Wright coming off an incredible year, already injured this season in, in spring training, even though it's very mild. And then you got two unknowns with Ian Anderson and Soroka. So that. That is what I think the weakness would be, and, and that's nitpicking a little bit because this is a solid, solid ball club. This is a club that's going to win 90-plus games uh, regardless of their starting rotation. But that, that is the biggest weakness that I see. Yeah, and the good news, Brian, is that, you know, and we talked with Grant McCulley about this last time I had him on the show, and, and, I, and I don't, I don't want to necessarily frame it this way, but I can't think of a better way to say it. But the loser of that fifth spot in the rotation, whether it's Soroka or Anderson, you know, that's a pretty good weapon to have on hand. You know, if they start, you know, if either one of those guys starts and Gwinnett, and I, I have, and we'll talk to Grant about this. I, I have this sneaky feeling that Soroka is going to be the guy that's sent down because they want to get him even stretched. Now, I know he talked about, getting stretched out and he had a full season of, of off season workout and, and all that good kind of stuff, but having tweaked the hamstring right before he, you know, as he was driving to Atlanta or before he got, or uh, uh, should say before he got to Florida, you know, kind of right before he left and all that. I, I just think that the tea leaves are saying that Soroka is going to be the guy that may start the year in Gwinnett just to make sure that he builds up, his strength and his confidence and everything else before they bring him up, whether that's because of injury or whatever it is, or if they need an additional starter, you know, they're not going to have a six man rotation, but you might, you know, have a guy that makes a a few spot starts for him. I, I just think that that's the direction that they're going to go. So if you look and look, everything's all about health, right? You know, but right Morton, Freed, Strider, Anderson, Soroka. You know, this this is this is still a pretty good rotation. And even if everybody isn't healthy, there is some decent depth there. There, there is still some decent depth when you talk about having six guys available. E- even if Ian Anderson is not lights out, or even if Mike Soroka can't do a whole lot. Those guys are good enough that if they can get you a couple few starts here, a couple few starts there, I still think it's a pretty good rotation. And I love Strider and Freed and Wright at the very top of all of that. 
You know, and look, what did Strider start uh, last year? Um, he pitched um, – Strider pitched, oh, gosh, uh, 131 innings, okay? And he made 20 starts this past season, okay? So you figure – you figure that gets up closer to 30, okay? So Freed and Wright had 30 starts. Morton had 31 starts. So you probably figure that Strider gets maybe 8 or 10 more starts than he had this year. So you factor that in, and now he's what? He's probably, you know, he's... He's probably at that 180 inning mark. You know, Wright and Freed were 180, 185 innings. He's probably at that 180 mark. So you get 50 more innings of starts out of Spencer Strider where he could be a 225 strikeout pitcher. Heck, I could I could tell you that he could lead the he could lead the National League in strikeouts when all is said and done. At 202 and 131 innings, right? And maybe that Maybe that number comes down a little bit because he's going to start right out as a starting pitcher and not coming into relief, but 13.8 strikeouts per nine innings is a phenomenal number. But you probably figure that you get another 50 innings of starts, you know, with him. So, you know, and and him starting off the year like this. So that's why I say that, when when you look at those top three guys, and I, and I'm considering Strider, Morton, and, or sorry, Strider, Freed, and Wright as my top three with Morton, Anderson, you know, whatever mix of guys, Soroka and all that, you know, Bryce Elder, whatever like that, you know, is is that Nolan Ryan and Jerry Kuzman and Tom Seaver? No, but it doesn't have to be. When you start talking about, you know, and to your point, when you start talking about third, fourth, fifth starters, those guys have to be pretty solid, but they don't have to be lights out. You know, it's not the Orioles from the 70s that had four 20-game winners. And maybe Kyle Wright takes a little bit of a step back this year. Maybe he's not 21-5. and five. But could Kyle Wright still be a 17-18 game winner in the league? Sure. And Freed, you know, Freed could still be a 14-18 to 18 game winner. And if you get Charlie Morton to just have maybe one last run in him, and he still, by the way, he still led the Braves in strikeouts with 205 in 172 innings. You could you could still if you could cut down some of the walks and you could cut down uh, the home runs more than anything, then look, I, I don't have to have Charlie Morton be lights out. So, but I I look at this thing and like I said, maybe the bench. But there are very few flaws and weaknesses in this team. Obviously, having won the World Series a couple of years ago, and even with the losses that they've suffered, right, with 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 um, Dansby Swanson, Freddie Freeman, you know, they, they have a deep enough core roster that they're still, I think, the favorites in the East. Now, again, Philly, the Mets, can those teams be, you know, Mets and Braves tied for the division lead. Can they? Can the Phillies be 14 games? You know, close. You know, within 14 games of those two teams. Sure. I hate the Mets. Yeah, yeah. We'll 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 get into all of that when we get into the regular season because we'll we'll have plenty of nights where we can 
play the you know F the Mets song and all that good stuff. So we'll we'll make sure that we play all of that. Uh, but the Braves had a winning record against the Mets and and the Phillies and things like that. So um, while they may be better, you know, it's one of those things that until you can prove it to me, uh, un- until it's 162 games and all the dust has been settled and everything else shakes out, until you can prove to me that the Mets or the Phillies can overtake Atlanta, everything's just on paper. It's easy to say, well, the Mets and Phillies are the best teams in the division on paper. Yeah, but when they play baseball, the Braves have been the best for five years in a row. When they actually play the games and they go under the lights, the Braves have been the best team in that division for five years in a row. So not many flaws and weaknesses in this Braves team. We'll ask that question to Grant McCulley as well. All right, uh, Jason Longshore going to join us here in a few minutes. We'll uh, get ready to preview Atlanta United as they have their home opener, season opener, coming up on Saturday night against San Jose. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Back to more John Chuckery. No, 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 I'm having a good time. Having a good time. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Back with you, John Chuckery Show. Hanging out in the Kia Studios Thursday evening with you. 404-741-0929. That is our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. The Odyssey app is how you catch us when you are on the go. Social media at 929 The Game on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. I am at JMSH316 on Twitter. He is at underscore Dylan Matthews. Well, we get ready for Atlanta United as the home opener. The season opener starts all up on Saturday evening. This man will be part of the call as we head up to the waitfor.com hotline. Jason Longshore is joining us. Color analyst for all things Atlanta United. He will be on the call Saturday night, pregame at 7 o'clock. Kick at 7.30. He and Mike uh, Mike Connie will have uh, the call for all the action as uh, Atlanta United gets cranked up this season. Jason is on Twitter, by the way, at Longshoe. Jason, good evening to you as we get ready to embark on another season here of the uh, Atlanta United Club. Season number seven. It feels like it was yesterday. It's just crazy to think that we're going into year seven now already. So we, I heard Mike, uh, Mike Connie this morning. He was on with, with the Freaky Deaky Show, and he went all hot take Tommy on, uh, on us. He, he said this morning that Tialga Almada may be the best player in MLS. Is he very far off on that? Because that seems like a really good sign if he is the best player in MLS. No, I don't think so. I thought the second half of last season, Tiago Almada was the best player in MLS. I think it took him a little bit of time, as you see with any adjustment to a new style of play in a league. Not the style of play in the team. That That is just always a, a change. Any any sport, any player who leaves a team goes to another year, just into the coach or just into the locker room, adjusting to your teammates. That's normal. But I think the thing about this sport that maybe is unique when we're talking about our major sports in the U.S., team sports anyway, league to league, when you, you move from another league, the styles are very different. The way the game is refereed is very different. You know, what's, what gets reactions from the crowd is very different. So it, it takes a little bit of time. And 
Major League Soccer is a more physically demanding league than a lot of leagues around the world. And it's a more physically demanding league than the Argentine League, where Thiago Almada had played. More transition, so more back and forth, end-to-end kind of action. The Argentine League is very physical in terms of, of fouling and 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 kicking and grabbing and that side of things, but it's not a transition-based league like MLS is. You don't have as many teams that press like Philadelphia, Cincinnati, the Red Bulls, you, that doesn't happen in Argentina, really. So it took him a little bit of time to adjust. And I thought once he did, about midway through, you know, you could look down the stretch at how many big goals or big chances he created. I thought Thiago Almada was that best player in the league in the second half, and that's what earned him the call-up to the Argentine national team for the World Cup when the spot opened up. Jason, I was looking at the uh, MLS power rankings for what they're worth here in, in preseason, but <laughs> what, uh, you know, it's like everything else. I mean, you know, just, you know, take them for what they are. But what does Atlanta, I mean, they have Atlanta United 15th in, in MLS. What do you think is the key for Atlanta United to be in the upper echelon of either the Eastern Conference or MLS as a whole? What's going to be the real key for this season going into this year? Personally, I think they're banging on that door already. Um, there was a, an anonymous survey of chief soccer officers, general managers around the league. 20 people out of the 29 in the league were surveyed by the Athletic. And Philadelphia received the most votes as a team that will win MLS Cup, 10 of the 20. Atlanta United was second with three. Hmm. But the thing is, Atlanta three, Austin two, LAFC two, LA Galaxy two, anybody else got one. But I think what, what that tells you is, one, I don't think they're the 15th best team in the league. I think they are a team that can compete for MLS Cup straight out of the gate. But I also think this league is more competitive than maybe it's ever been from top to bottom. Philadelphia, with how close they were last year, coming just short, and I think improving their team, to be honest, in the offseason, they're the favorite going in. They're the favorite in the East or the favorite in the league. Beyond that, it is wide open. And I think for Atlanta United to get to where they want to, which is lifting trophies in, in 2023 and beyond, they've got to eliminate the mistakes defensively, individually. I don't think it's a system thing. I think it's more of the individual mistakes we saw last year. A lot of that is down to the back line changing game to game, it felt like, with the injuries they dealt with and missing Brad Kazan's leadership in the back. That's going to change this year walking in the door so that's a big help and converting chances you know you look back at last season atlanta united created chances at a very high clip they had plenty of shots not always the highest percentage shots they settled for shots from distance a little too often but being more efficient and finishing chances in the final third the number one thing that will elevate them is eliminating those individual mistakes defensively Jason Longshore joining us here in the WaitFor.com hotline. Color analyst for all things Atlanta United as they get ready to get cranked up on Saturday against San Jose. Pre-game at 7 o'clock, kick at 7.30. He and uh, Mike, Mike Connie will have the call for all of that. Yakamakis uh, is having some visa issues. I guess two-part question here. So how likely is it that that that, that gets resolved by the time that they are ready to go on Saturday. And is this still fallout from COVID or like, why are we still having visa issues in the year 2023 of our Lord? 
Oh, you got to ask some people who are way above my pay grade on the visa issue and why we're doing it. Um, it's always been there. I, I think the timing is actually kind of back to normal. I remember he wasn't signed that long ago. I, I think, you know, Luis Abram was signed just a little bit before Yakimakis, and he got his work visa late last week, so he was able to participate in the game in St. Louis, the closed-door scrimmage. The timelines would match up for Yakimakis to possibly get his visa at this point. Um, we talked to Garth Lagerway last night on my Soccer Down Here uh, show. We did a town hall from Wild Leap Brewing, uh, and Lagerway put it at, I think, 30-70 that it would come through. That was last night. I don't know if there's been any movement in that. I, I don't know the process, but if he's available, I know the, the general thinking has been that he would not play any part in the game even if he gets the work visa at the stage. I think he would. I don't know if he starts, but I think he would be part of it. Um, you'd love for him to be part of the group and have him available to come off the bench if needed in that game. But we just have to wait and see across our fingers that uh, the government can process paperwork fast enough. Health-wise, everybody in good shape coming out of all the friendlies and everything? Everybody up, you know, and ready to go for Saturday night? Yeah, I think in general, I think it's about normal. Uh, Machoke Chol had an injury in the AmFam Cup game against Toluca. He is out with a hamstring for this week. Uh, Tyler Wolf had a shoulder injury, suffered with the, the U-20 national team, so he's out. Derek Etienne has been training with the team for about a week and a half, according to Gonzalo Pineda. Uh, he did play a part in that game in St. Louis last Saturday. I don't know if he's ready to start yet. And then it's not an injury issue. It's just more of a timing issue. Luis Abram, I mentioned he played in St. Louis, but it was he played a part in that second half. He's been training maybe a little bit less than Etienne, and he hasn't played 90 minutes since last October. So asking Abram to be able to play 90 is a huge ask at this stage and just where he is. Can he play? Yes. Can he start? I don't know. That feels like a coin flip to me. Uh, Juan Hoparata and Miles Robinson have been starting for the majority of the preseason. That's kind of where my gut feeling is, unless Abram's fitness is just at a point where he, they feel he can go at least 60 minutes. We obviously don't see San Jose more than never. Um, we know that they're we know that they're one of the worst teams in MLS, and and obviously coming you know West Coast to East Coast certainly has to favor Atlanta United. But I, I guess I'll ask it this way: Is there anything they do well? Yeah, actually, this is a much better San Jose team than they were last year. Last year, the the storyline for their season was they, they walked in the door with Matias Almeida disgruntled as the manager. He had wanted a, an extension. They weren't going to give him that. He wanted more resources put into the team. They weren't going to spend the money. So he was grumbling, I think, from day one of preseason last year. And seven games in, they decided that was enough. So then they went to an interim manager in Alex Covello. Almeida's style and, and system and game model was very specific. Uh, idiosyncratic would maybe be a, a polite way to put it. Um, it's not something that you can really readily change on the fly very easily. And I think the, the Quakes kind of suffered being a little bit of an in-between team last year. Almeida was gone. They weren't going to continue with that style. They couldn't really change it. They should have done it before the season, to be honest. They didn't. 
and they paid the price last year. Now, coming into this year, they have Luchi Gonzalez, who had some success at Dallas uh, as a manager. Before losing the gig there, he went to join the U.S. men's national team as an assistant, finished up the World Cup, took over in San Jose. He's got a really good front four. Uh, Not any massive big-time stars in that group, but a lot of speed. Christian Espinosa on the right wing, very good cutting inside. He's a double-digit goal assist guy. Jeremy Abobasi had 17 goals last year, even on a bad team. What let them down was defense. And they added Jonathan Mensah, who used to captain Columbus. They added him in the preseason. But he hasn't played a, a full half, I don't think, with San Jose yet. So is he ready to be the leader on that back line? Goalkeeper's a question. Both fullback positions are a question. One of the center back quest- spots is a question with Mensah. He'll take it when he's ready, but I don't know if he's ready yet. So attacking-wise, midfield-wise, this is a pretty decent San Jose team to maybe very good in the midfield. But defensively, there's still a lot of questions. And new coach, new style, how long does it take for that to really hit, hit its stride? So when I look at the schedule, four of the, uh, four of the first six games, or four of the first six matches are at home. And then the other two, I mean, you've got a road trip to Charlotte, which is a taxi ride. So... You know, when you look at this schedule, it does look like that there's some opportunity, especially because you're playing at home, to get off to a good start. And, and you know, one of the things I've said about the Atlanta Hawks is they haven't taken advantage of any point of their schedule. They haven't been great at home. They haven't taken advantage of bad teams when they played them. Even though, you know, it's new roster, new players, guys coming back and all this kind of stuff that coming back from injury and all this kind of stuff. But. How important is the first stretch of the year to take advantage of this schedule with four of the six matches at home, you know, with, you know, the, the two road trips, one is Charlotte. So, you know, how, how key is it for this group to get off to a good start and take advantage of their schedule? Very important. And it is going to be interesting to see how they do it because, Without Etienne in preseason for the majority of it, without Yakimakis at all up to this point, that's two of your front four that, that haven't played with the other two who have been really good in preseason in Thiago Almada and Luis Araujo. So that chemistry, it takes some time to build. You're going to be doing that on the fly. So while I'm not expecting the rhythm on the ball to maybe be where it, it will be in a couple months, it will be in the summer, I do think they can get wins early on. It's not because of the opponents not being strong. It's because what Gonzalo Pineda believes in style-wise, and I think he's got the players to really do it here, is if his team doesn't have the ball, he wants them to press high, and he wants them to create turnovers. He doesn't want them to, if they lose possession in the attacking half, to drop and just get numbers behind the ball and just try to clog passing lanes up and that sort of thing. He doesn't want that. He wants them to work hard to win the ball back in the attacking half. Because if you do, shorter distance to goal, the other team is all discombobulated, you have opportunities to take advantage. Luis Araujo thrives in that. Derek Etienne thrives in that. Yakimakis, I think, will be a great fit in that system. And then with Almada and the midfield kind of behind it, I think they're going to get a lot of turnovers and quick opportunities to go to goal. So while the rhythm might not be there early and the, the 10, 12, 15 pass sequences might not be where they will be later, I think there will be goals. 
It's just down to not making individual mistakes defensively and managing the moments in the game. You get a lead, be smart. Keep possession a little bit. Knock the ball around. Keep it safe and get your bearings as this team builds its chemistry. Another season of Atlanta United soccer kicks off Saturday night. Pre-game at 7 o'clock. Kick at 7.30 against the San Jose Earthquakes. Not Typhoon and Earthquake, the natural disasters. Uh, the great tag team. Uh, do you remember those guys, Jason? You remember the natural disasters? Oh, yeah, no, I remember those guys. Okay, all right. Jason Longshore will be part of the call, along with Mike uh, Mike Connie, and uh, everything gets kicked off at 7 o'clock as uh, another season opens up for Atlanta United. Jason is always – by the way, Jason's on Twitter, at Longshoe. Jason, is always, my friend, appreciate it, buddy. Thanks uh, so much, and uh, we'll chat again here soon. Yeah, be talking soon. Thanks for having me. You got it. Coming up top of the hour, we'll get to our Falcons flyover. One guy made PFF's top 101 players list for the Falcons. Talk about that, plus some other stories as well. Chuck Green, the Kia Studios, Sports Radio, 92 on the game, Odyssey.com app. Good morning on the